another episode of Unpublished. My name is Amy. I'm James. And today we're going to be looking at our favorite non-fiction books of all time. Is that exactly what the topic is? Be more specific. Okay, so I've the way I've framed it is uh, it is a continua- continuation of our last one about fiction. Yeah. But the way I've kind of thought of it is the non-fiction books that have most changed our lives. Okay, great. What did I say? Our favorite of all time. I mean, I feel like... It's probably the same. Yeah. It's probably the same. I mean, I guess I could have read a really bad book that changed my life for the worse. And I was really thinking of it from a changing my life as a creative perspective as well. Okay, great. And as a business owner as well. Oh, yeah. I love that. And I feel like a lot of the books, accidentally, a lot of the books that I love are the ones that have helped me think about business. And they're often not business books, which is really yeah, interesting Yeah, that is really interesting. Actually, none of them are business books. And that's sort of what I wanted to open with was that I really don't feel like, for me, I hate it when a book is like uses giant corporations as the main examples mm. or is really about how to build a team at mm. a corporate job. Yeah. I feel like there's a real dearth of books for creative entrepreneurs or those sort of like leadership train, not those sort of leadership and management and it's corporate business building books are not for us often. I agree. And I've spoken about this before. And I think I spoke a lot about it when I, when we were promoting the uh, make money with your art course is that there is a huge gap in the market, I think with business conversations and it misses out on the artist in a huge way. And I agree. I think that corporate, there's a lot of very management um, centered, corporate centered business books that just aren't super applicable to creatives trying to make money with their art. Like you think about your like Simon Sinek books and stuff where just hard bounce off those books every time. Cause it's like, I don't, this just seems so this is irrelevant. It's, and I understand that there's a huge market for those books because a lot of people work corporate and that's why there's a huge market for them. But I mean, where are the books directly aimed at small business owners and people who, I mean, there are some on our list. There are. Yeah. And we're going to talk about them, but I think that a lot of the books I choose are, are I'm choosing for how they shape my thinking generally. They're like general thinking books rather than specific books, Yeah, which I think are way more valuable because a specific book, like if you read a specific business book in 2023, it's not going to be relevant in 10 years time. Whereas a general thinking book, like a book about how to actually think better yeah. is going to be relevant forever and ever yeah and, and i love this and i think it speaks to the fact that um when we choose to take our art seriously and we choose to connect and, and figure out how to connect with our art which is business um we're, we're speaking about something that is so much more than marketing tactics and understanding um you know like today's social media strategies it's it's about who we are as people and, and it's about understanding people it's about telling stories it's about something so much bigger and broader than a very specific business book yeah it's about philosophies that you can build either creative practice on or a business on mm. that are going to help to bring out what is unique about you into your business as yeah, well I love that. and I, th- I sort of think about this as lateral thinking or slang smarts it's it's how to not just be bogged down by what's happening today in the public consciousness. And all, my, all these books that I'm recommending are basically about how to get as far removed as you can from your present day. Yeah, I love that. Do you wanna, um, I've just realized we've not turned on the camera mic. That's okay, cause we're gonna- We're gonna it. pair them. Yeah, we don't need, we okay, don't need the camera mic. Okay, cool. Uh, do you wanna start off with your first book? Yeah, well, um, I mean, my absolute granddaddy book, the book that I think has been the most influential, the most influential book I've ever read is Sapiens. Yeah. You knew this was coming probably. Yeah. By Yuval Harari. This is a book I, I when it came out, I read it 
pretty quickly after it came out in the English translation, I think. And I hadn't really been into nonfiction before that. Yeah, interesting. And it was the first book that got me into nonfiction. This is a big history book, if you don't know about Sapiens. It's literally the history of humanity from the Big Bang to now, basically. And it was just, it was a page turner to me. And I didn't think it would be. It was, I couldn't get enough of it. I smashed it. It was, it was like reading a dirty thriller or something. Like I just had to get to the next page because the story of humanity is a thriller in many ways. <laughs> I love that. Sorry, that's really maybe the nerdiest thing I've ever said. But it's, oh man, the thing I love about Sapiens is you think it's going to be a boring history book. It's just going to be like, this happened, you know, and we evolved from this into this, and then this happened, and then we developed this technology. And it is not at all about that. It is a philosophy of history, which is what I loved about it. And it totally changed the way I thought about history. And this is as someone who had just finished a double major in history and ancient history at mm. university. Like I had just spent four years of my life immersed in history. And then this book came along and was like, you've been thinking about this wrong. Are you concerned about the fly that's buzzing around no, us? I mean, I'm never bothered about something I mean, like that. Neither am I. It's going to be great background noise. <laughs> and what Yuval does is he says, history is not about learning from past examples. It's not about saying, oh, look, this is what happened then. So this is what's going to happen next. And this is what's going to happen next. We can't actually learn what will happen from history. What history is about is showing us that things can change. Mm. And that's what this list is often about, is going to be about for me. As I said earlier, it's like, my whole philosophy now is the way things are right now is almost just entirely, the only certainty is it will not be the same mm. and it can change. Yeah. And I think people get really bogged down and thinking like, this is the way the creative industry works. You know, this is the way society works. This is the way it will always work and not accounting for the massive changes that always happen. And this sort of, to borrow, to, um, borrow Nassim Taleb's terminology, like the black swan, the black swan events that just change everything. Like they happen all the time. It's like, when you look back at history, you see, wow, things were done so, so differently. It's crazy that I think I should be restricted to one way of thinking, or I should be restricted to how society currently thinks that things have to be done. Yeah, I love that. I was literally about to ask you, like, how has it changed your perspective as a creative and how, how has it impacted you the way that you show up in the world today? But I think that's a good answer, like yeah. understanding and looking at the world through a lens that says this isn't forever. Yeah. And I think we we fall into a trap, just as you say, that especially I think recent in recent times that this is how it's going to be forever, that this, you know, we're doomed. It's a really pessimistic view on the world, but like this is guaranteed to not be the way it is. And I think creatives can get really afraid of change as well. I think you know, my industry is, especially at the moment, you know, industries are changing rapidly. Creative industries are changing rapidly. I mean, all industries are really are changing rapidly. But I think that what Yuval's books, what Sapiens says is, that's just the human condition. Mm. That's what it's always been like. And like, it's an exciting opportunity to change your thinking and to, I mean, essentially all we do when we do our business is we look at problems and we go, how can we do things differently? Yeah. I love that. And that's sort of the philosophy that's driven our business the whole way, I think. Yeah, I really, I really love that. How about you? Have you got one? Yeah, I've got one. James prepped for this podcast like so hard. If I don't get through everything, I might just share my list or something. No, you'll be fine. Okay. Because I haven't prepped, so. Great. I mean, obviously, I'm going to start off with Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way because that is the book that changed my life the most because um, Julia led me to um, the pages. Julia led me to journaling. 
um, and the journaling practice, even though it's different to Julia's, uh, changed my life, like completely, completely changed my life. It's really hard to, whenever I talk about my, my journey with journaling, it always feels like I'm overstating it or I'm being cliche, but really it was something that did a 180 for me. I mean, you can testify Comple- to completely that. Completely different. I mean, core Amy is still there, but your ability to deal with setbacks, your ability to deal with pain, your ability to, uh, rewrite stories that were holding you back it was, it was like completely different toolkit that you had from that day forward yeah i was able to write the life that i wanted to live and then make it happen and i really like that is because of journaling so julia cameron's book gave me that uh julia also like not just the journaling she gave me permission to take myself seriously like she has such a compassionate voice and she believes in creative so much and the thing that i was really battling through in that time it was like 2016 17 was i felt so foolish for wanting to create uh for a living i wanted to do this i wanted to be taken seriously and i felt again and again that everyone was telling me that i was you know delirious like this is such a repeated story i told the story all the time but julia multiple times in her books uh, just assured me that it wasn't it wasn't foolish it wasn't childlike that this is a perfectly beautiful and reasonable thing to want to chase and no one had ever told me that before ever and it was my undoing like I would just bawl my eyes out over that book in public in a cafe at the relief and it was relief I was like oh my god someone else you know and someone who I respected so much because she's such a fucking legend um is giving me permission to to do what I was always going to do but it gave me a sense of okay someone else has got my back someone else believes that this is a reasonable thing to do so those are the two ways that she changed my life she was the first person to give me permission to chase my stories to chase this creative um life and she was the one that led me to the pages she led me to to journaling great amazing yeah and I, i'm grateful for julia cameron for that as well Oof, because I yeah. she gave i mean like she i want to say gave me you back but you were going in a really dark time there. I really just am so grateful that you found journaling because it really, it, it, it enriched my life in many ways. And I, yeah. I also am now a journaler yeah. and I love it. I think what Julia did, which really amazed me is, you know, she did do her Julia magic and I'm so grateful for her as a person, but what she really did was she led me back to myself. And I think that's the most powerful thing that creatives can do is show people how to reignite that magic within them and show people how to see themselves for who they are yeah yeah can i do my next book yeah you don't I, give a fuck about my books do you you're I, just excited that's to talk so about not that. true i love that and, I, I, and I, I am grateful for julia cameron obviously obviously and i really agree with you such a classic artist's favorite life-changing book but yeah but there's a reason it's because yeah. it's great I hate to be a cliche though yeah um my next one is really just anything by david graver and we talked about david graver a lot on the podcast before incredible thinker it's such a fucking shame that he passed away because he had so much still to give to the world so much still to write and he's another uh, like paradigm shattering author mm. who his whole thing is looking at preconceived ideas about how society works and shattering them and for that reason i think you know bullshit jobs for me was the first book of his i read really shattered my respect for corporate job like as in I obviously have a lot of respect for a lot of people who work corporate jobs but it shattered the mystique of like this is the most efficient this is this corporate jobs and you know and corporations are these big machines that are perfectly efficient and it's like no bullshit jobs basically argues that corporate work isn't any better than any other kind of work and in fact corporate work has all the same efficiencies as any other kind of work and Mm. we shouldn't hold up corporate work as some kind of amazing paradigm of virtue I'm noticing a pattern 
that I, I've obviously unconsciously noticed a lot, but like the, the things that change your life are the things that deconstruct powerful narratives that we've been told and sold. Yeah, of course, that's it. That's what I get so excited about. Yeah, I love it, that. It turns me on. Like the idea that a paradigm that everyone else thinks is true or a lot of other people think is true and that the establishment holds up as true, it's just false, is so exciting to me. Yeah, because it opens up so many more possibilities. It's weird that I'm not a conspiracy theorist. How did I escape that? There are lots of reasons why you escape that. I mean, I that. love these big, well-researched academic books about why like a niche economic subject is wrong. Mm. That's what really turns me on, yeah. I think, because... And also you're very big on research. And it and books like Graeber's books, I think the reason that they're so exciting to me as well, and it, sorry to just build on this same topic again, is that it's like it shows the establishment, the economic establishment, the political establishment for what it is, which is just that they're just as random as us. Like they're just flying by the seats of their pants as well. Mm. And that they have no authority over what is the best way to do things really. Like every, every economist is just making it up. And I love books that prove that. Yeah. And every political theorist is making it up. And I think that Graeber, I mean, Bookshop Job is great for that. Debt totally uh, changes how you think about money. Who, and what debt. Oh, debt. Um, about how you think about money and, and debt. Mm. And the dawn of everything totally thinks about how you, totally changes how you think about uh, how humans have structured society and it basically argues from the ground up from pre-historical cultures and from pre-modern cultures that humans are these sort of political animals who are just capable of just like Yuval says like capable of creating incredible stories for ourselves mm -hmm. that and incredibly different kinds of society you know beyond just capitalism or communism like these are very boring monolithic myths for society like we are such nuanced beings and we have created so many cool like thousands of cool different societies that we don't even have words for that used to exist before yeah our modern the modern age and again that is exactly like what you were talking about with yuval it's like there is so much more than what we think and we are so capable of so much more than what we are exactly. pinned into it's like we're not we don't have to just stay here where we are there mm. are so many other ways we can go that's essentially what our book we're writing together is about. It's like, how can we conceive of a really different society yeah. in the sci-fi world? Yeah. It isn't a capitalist society. It isn't a communist society. Yeah. It isn't in anything. It's, it's sort of like, if anything, it's anarchist, I guess. But And I just think it's so important that we are able to think this way, particularly as creatives, because we're the ones that can shape and change the way that we are going. And if we're so convinced by this idea that we are staying the same or that we are doomed into a certain route, that capitalism is the only way that we can do this or that you know, XYZ is the only way that we can go forwards, then... We doom ourselves to the sameness and that's not what we're about. Exactly. And then if you can take that attitude to your business or to your creative journey, and then that's, I mean, that's what creatives great strength is, is creatives. This is why we say creatives are great business people. It's because creatives are the best at this lateral thinking. Creatives are the best at destroying paradigms and mm -hmm. creating new paradigms that have never been seen before or that build on other paradigms or that take inspiration from other paradigms and not getting stuck. And business is all about not getting stuck in old ways of thinking. Yeah. It's so exciting. It gets me going. You've taught me to like really lean into this and it's just, it is because it's like the possibilities are endless and mm. it's so much fun to talk about. Yeah. I was just thinking about how so often the books that I say changed my life are like, they've been very similar for such a long time. And I think it's because they came at a point in my life where I really uh, needed them. And I haven't read many books recently that have been like full smack me in the face game changes because I'm about to say Seth Godin's Icarus Deception. And I mean, it's just been, they're kind of been pillars to like my life's big changes. And I, I feel boring for repeating them so often. I think it's normal to go through an immense period of change for yourself and then 
devour these books and, and do some shadow work and, and to grow mm-hmm. and then to be like, I've had enough of that yeah. for a bit. And I think that both of us have come out of our nonfiction phase a little bit and are more yeah. into fiction at the moment. But not that we don't still read nonfiction, but I think it's just like, even if there are these great books we're reading in the last year or two, it's like, I'm not in a place right now where I need to do the yeah. shadow work as much. Like yeah. it's like, I've, I'm more interested in already having this foundation of how I like to think and then building my own narratives from that. Yeah. It's really interesting. So, yeah. I mean, we do, we have enjoyed some books lately. It's just oh my God, yes. I think also, you know, for us, all these books that we're reading came in a time in our life when we were really lost. So Very obviously lost. we're going to latch onto them. Yeah. And we were taught and they were, they, we needed mentors and we found them in these books. Yeah. Um, so Seth Godin's The Icarus Deception, again, was this permission giver that I deeply needed. And again, I wept over this book because of the relief and the freedom that it gave me. And I felt so much less alone. Um, Seth is just a champion for creatives doing different things. And I needed someone to champion me. And Seth was there saying, you know, fly close to the sun. This myth that when we reach out and do big things that we might possibly get burnt is a myth to keep us small. And it's a myth to keep us in line and obedient. And I needed that because I've always wanted to go so big. I've always wanted to do such incredible, bright, amazing things. I've always wanted to do things that were told were not possible. And I just had so much shame around it. And to have this figure, this man come to me and through his words, through his books and be like, I'm so fucking excited. I'm so excited for what it is that you are doing. And I'm so excited and I believe in what it is that you want to do. Like, I just couldn't, I can't. And I don't think I'll ever get over how important that was for me. You know, we so often get told, I think by established creatives no it's not possible it's really hard i could do it but you can't do it and it's a really tough industry out there and I, it's so annoying isn't it and it's just like they think they're being kind to you by protecting you from pain but all they're doing is crushing your spirit this and is yeah excuse me for interrupting before right. we started this podcast we made an intention that we would try not to interrupt each other that's fine i'm so sorry um i think this is what it speaks to a lot and i've spoken about this before and i i want to speak about it in more depth but it is a hard conversation to navigate so many successful creatives think that it's their responsibility to warn other creatives that what they're doing is very special and only for the few because they feel guilt around their success or they feel guilt around their privileges and so they warn other creatives about how hard it is and how you know it's very unlikely and they're so lucky and that's why they succeeded because they're so lucky and it's just so unfair and i think it's truly one of i think it's they think it's generous and i think it is deeply harmful especially because you know no one's under the illusion no one's going oh i think i'm just gonna like not try and basically never write and somehow produce a book out of nowhere um despite never writing and it's just going to immediately make me two million dollars and i'm gonna it's like no one's thinking this anyway like why are you having to add to this i agree and i've i've had arguments with people who were like no because some people are under the illusion that you know you'll just get your big break and you'll be fine I'm like who is under that illusion who is under that illusion no i've never met anyone under that illusion yeah, I guess some people think once I get picked by a gatekeeper, my life is going to be fixed. Yeah, that's, that's that. something that needs I think, to be spoken I think about. almost everyone acknowledges that the the struggle up to getting the gatekeeper's attention, if that's the road you're going down to, will be quite difficult. Yeah. Then that's some kind of magical barrier yeah. that you break through. And I think maybe they feel like it's their responsibility to tell you that's not a magical moment. But that's not, that's barely the story I'm hearing. Yeah, I agree. The stories I'm hearing is that I was so lucky and so you can't expect to be like me. Mm. And, and I was overwhelmed by it. Like, you know, 
I always tell the story and God bless her, I love her. But Elizabeth Gilbert is really prone to doing this, really prone to saying it's very hard to make money off of writing. You know, I'm so lucky. She like, there was this one, again, I've told this story so many times, but it was again, a really pivotal moment for me. I'm watching an Elizabeth Gilbert video. Again, I'm in public, I'm at a cafe in a very dark moment. And she, someone asks her, what would you say to authors who are trying to make a living from their books? And she just laughs and laughs and laughs. And I'm like, you're a multi-millionaire author. And she laughed as a scornful, like no one can make money from writing. Except for me, because I'm special. And I just, my heart, like, like my heart literally cracked in two. And books like The Icarus Deception healed that. Mm. And reminded me that my ambition and my desires and my creative potential are very powerful. And we were actually talking about this the other day. Is you were, you were saying, James, I'm worried that... You always say, James, I'm worried that people think I'm scamming. I'm a scammer or something because I'm telling all these creatives like, that they can make it. Mm. And I was like, Amy, and I think this is the discussion we had. It's not up to you to discourage people. It's up to you to try and get it from like, you know, if there's 100 people who are watching your work to simplify it. And, you know, one of them wasn't going to try and make it. And now they're going to try and mm. make it. Like that's adding so much to the world. Yeah. And even if, so if, or if 100 people work and 10 more people of them try, and even if just like two or three of them make it, then you've built something and brought something amazing into the world. And then the ones who don't make it, you know, maybe they found something else or maybe yeah. it wasn't right for them. And maybe there are a million reasons that they didn't make it. And mm. it's not because you scammed them into trying to make mm. it. It's just part of the, it's, you know, you just, you're just putting them on, you're giving them more of a chance to try. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm experiencing some, some of these feelings that, that these people feel that Elizabeth Gilbert perhaps felt when she said, when she chose to laugh at that question because she felt like she didn't want to put people under an illusion that they could make it. But the truth is, is that I have so much fucking faith in creatives and I have so much faith in, in changing systems and in the fact that we can change systems and we can... Um, create the lives that we want to make we deserve to live really abundant creative lives and i'm so tired of people being like nah it's going to be too hard don't even fucking try mm. it's disgusting to me especially because it's so mired in and this is what i've been talking about with my books is it's so mired in the old way of doing business and it's mm. like things are changing so rapidly there are so many ways you can waves that you can catch mm. the idea that it's like oh it's so hard to make a living as a writer because there's only so many people with the capital to pay you to write it's like well actually now there are seven to 8 billion people with capital to pay you to write. It's yeah. just finding them. Yeah. Not, it's not just like there are 50 publishers in New York and you've got to try and impress exactly. one of them. Exactly. This is really where my heart is at. And I want to speak about this so much more. Um, this is like sits at the core of all the work I do. Like, I just want you to see you be a successful creative if that's what you want. Like, and I believe in you and I, and I want to counteract so many of the narratives that have like inundated us throughout all of history. And it's interesting because I think both of our book choices coming at that exact same problem from this from different angles yeah. whereas you i think i've loved both of the books you recommended and mm. i really especially love the icarus deception it was a great book for me and it came at the right time but i will always want someone to do a in-depth <laughs> academic study into something before yeah. i change my way of thinking and i know that's not practical because it's really hard to do what julie cameron does as an academic study i don't expect it's just a to. different perspective yeah, yeah and even what seth does and i think there's a lot of value in in speaking from the heart and using yourself as an example and i think that can really change lives mm. it's just that for me personally i like to yeah i like to read spreadsheets and 
Have and, I, and I just want to say that I've read both Sapiens and Bullshit Jobs and they were both big game changers for me too, particularly Bullshit Jobs. Very accessible. I don't want James's like love of spreadsheets to freak you out. Like well, I mean, and it's anthropology. Bullshit Jobs is an important, important read. And it's anthropology and the reason and sociology. And the reason that can be great is that it's often anecdotal as well. It's like big data anecdotal. So, you know, he'll just interview hundreds of people and get their yeah. personal stories, which super is also interesting. really interesting too. Yeah, super interesting. Um, but they're both all these books are coming at the same thing, which is that it's possible to change the paradigm yeah. and it's possible and, to break free. And there is the literally paradigm. no one better to do it than us mm. creatives. Yeah. Okay. You go again. I mean, like uh, there are some obvious ones. Like obviously Brene Brown, Darren, yeah. Darren Greatly has been a great book for us. Just I think. some of those core tenants in it just keep me so steady. And I've recommended it before, but it's along the same theme as my other books. All my books are economic or sociology or something. Uh, the value of everything, Mariana Mazzucato, Mazzucato, is just about how we have completely ruined our concept of value and how our society really needs to start to realize that we need to value things to actually bring, to use the word value too many times, actual value to society. Yeah. Not just equating how much money does someone earn in their job with value. Yeah. And uh, Humankind, Rutger Bregman, just about how human nature is, you know, we're basically good. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a message I love. Yeah. I love... I think it's so helpful to think of people as basically good. And if you think about a lot of our business strategies, like giving away all our digital stuff for free, it's because we believe that 99% of people are basically good and will not try and take advantage of that policy. Yeah. And also acting on that like basis, nothing feels better. Mm. Nothing feels better than putting your faith in humankind. It seems so (laughs) scary to do it. And then once you do it, you're like, "Ah." and then even if it goes horribly wrong, even if like hundreds of people, you know, came to us and took all our products for free, we still would have done something brave and generous and cool. Yeah. And I would never regret it. No, I would never regret it. I love that. Mm. Uh, what's the next one? Perennial Seller? I see that. And I yeah. and I big back that. Yeah, Perennial Seller is um, Ryan Holiday, who writes a lot of the Stoicism books. But he also writes a great book called Perennial Seller. And it's about how we as entrepreneurs, and especially as writers and artists, shouldn't be looking at our one big launch or uh, how can we have one product that launches and does really, really well. We should be looking at how to build a whole career and how to have a backlog that is selling for years and years and years and years and years. Mm. I think this lens Mm. is just like how, I think this is a book for creatives. Like this is a business book almost for specifically for creatives and it works. I think this is what we really need to focus on this like new lens of this is not art for, for just a second. This is art for beyond my lifetime. In some ways, it hits a little bit on legacy, which I know is something that we have issues with. But it's about like creating art that lasts longer. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of what we do, we often talk about the ecosystem of Amy's products, and you know, if the fiction isn't selling well right now, at least it's, or if the nonfiction isn't selling right now, or if a course isn't selling well right now, it's still establishing the nexus and uh, Amy's posture of being someone who offers these products, and it, it builds a relationship still with the people who love that product and it builds a yeah um it's sort of like an interaction between you and your fans still and you and your customers still yeah i love that it's mm. a beautiful way of looking at it i was yeah. obviously stephen stephen pressfield more of art oh uh, yeah but you know og very famous book that yeah i'm sure that we're gonna get stephen on the pod that'd be awesome yeah that would be awesome um and i've actually oh uh, anything you want by derek sivers is the one sort of businessy book that i've done that i've got you in that here. you like and it's, I mean, I almost don't remember reading it because it's such a short book and I smashed through it in an afternoon. But it's, uh, 
it's called anything you want, but that's not, it's not self-helpy. It's like your business can be anything you want. Uh, and how it talks about how he built a successful business without going to business school, without having a business plan. You yeah, know, it was just love. sort of like, all he did was focus relentlessly on how to make his customers happy. And, and solving problems and being generous. And exactly. And it's very things. Seth Godin. Yeah, it's really good. This is marketing with another Seth Godin book that I think is, speaks to creatives. And it's a book that shifts the paradigm on what it is to have a business and, the, and makes you fucking understand how important it is that you sell your art. Mm. It's so generous and so important. And you can change the world through business. And that sounds so tacky. Yeah. But I'm fully convinced of it. Seth Godin is like at the forefront of this real lens shift about business. And This Is Marketing is a book I, I come back to regularly. I mean, running a business is just you giving yourself an opportunity to connect with people. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like, how can I create a machine, a connection machine, basically? Yeah. And how can I create a machine that is just focused on making other people happy? Mm. Right. I'm going to do a controversial one now. Sure. <laughs> this... Um, becoming say, supernatural by Joe Dispenza. I was like, you're gonna say, <laughs> Ooh, sorry, oh, door slam. You're gonna say Jordan Peterson. Oh my god. <laughs> well, in a way, I feel like Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules book is really life changing for us because it, it, we were able to see what we wouldn't do in a nonfiction book, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we had we were going through a phase where making sure we read outside of our bubble, mm. and I'm proud of myself for doing that. And I think I think we often talk about Peterson. I don't know if we want to go into the weeds of Peterson right now, but you know, the thing about Peterson often we find is that. <laughs> He has a lot of quite good, harmless self-help, but then he'll just like sneak something in there. That is just so be like, fucking outrageous. You should really clean your room. I don't know about the Jews, though. <laughs> and you're like, wait, hang on, what? I'm not saying that's exactly something that he said. I don't want to get super defamation, but it's that sort of thing. It's, it's that like, vibe. It's like 80% of what he said sounds so reasonable. So then when he sneaks in something else, you're like, what? Uh, oh, you, you don't question it? Yeah. Anyway, Jordan Peterson is not on my list, no. but it is another controversial one because he is called a snake oil salesman and he does come at his topic with some dubious methods of research. Do, um, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza, chiropractor mm. doctor. No hate, chiropractors. Wait, were you talking about Joe Dispenza just then or about Jordan Peterson? I was talking about Jordan Peterson right. before, but I was going to introduce Becoming Supernatural. Sure, I understand. Wait, is it Becoming Supernatural or the one that I love? Yeah. Or is it... You've read a lot of his, actually, haven't you? Yeah. Love, love a Joe. I love a bit of Jojo. I listen to Joe every time I do Amy, my... Probably, like, the biggest difference between me and Amy is I have no woo-woo in my body. I've got a little woo. Amy's got definitely got a little woo-woo. The thing that Joe, I think, speaks to, which is life-changing, is that, you know, as someone, especially with anxiety, that riddles my body and riddled my body before I understood that I even had anxiety, as in, like, my body had to tell me that I was a very anxious person before I was even conscious of my thoughts is that he really allowed me to understand that the way that I think impacts the way that I show up and that's such a simple thing but it is so profound and he you know goes into it in a much more in-depth way but you know looking at rehearsal and rehearsal of thoughts and rehearsal of future events and rehearsal of brilliance and of connection and of, of, of love and of bringing what you want and what you desire into the present moment now and rehearsing that and undoing neural pathways that have been damaging me and damaging my body for you know a very long time since I was very very little and recognizing them and recognizing these thought patterns that I you know constantly go through it's I mean it was really an addition to the, my journaling and it really alivened and awakened me to patterns I was in that I didn't want and allowed me to create a future in the present moment 
you know, experiencing joy now rather than waiting for it and experiencing wealth and success and then and the emotions that that gives me now rather than waiting for it. And it has allowed me, I think Joe has allowed me to really look forward and create my future and integrate that into the moment now. And to be clear, I think all of that stuff is great. And I totally agree with all of yeah. those points. He just does, he does have some more controversial points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally think that, you know, we have to build stories about who we want to be. We have to yeah. build stories about, I am the sort of person who, I think that's a big stoic yeah. thing as well. You know, I am the sort of person who does this. I think it's such a powerful story to create in ourselves and so necessary. Exactly. And it's so interesting looking at all of our books, like they're all about storytelling. And for me, the parts of Joe Dispenza's work that really resonates with me is like, we are just the stories that we tell ourselves and we are in charge of those stories and we get to tell those stories. So tell fucking beautiful, brilliant stories. Yeah. Amen. So I've, I've got one more on the list and that is um, The Dyad of Effortless and Essentialism by Greg McEwen, oh. which I really, really liked. Once again, like I think came a bit later after our big absorbing phase. Yeah. So it wasn't in the moment. It was more just affirming things that I already believed. It was but very useful though, wasn't it? Very useful. Just, And I think I love the movement lately that's saying hustle doesn't actually even make you any better at anything you do mm-hmm. and i think that the permission that effortless gives it particularly being like no you know things can be easy and important mm-hmm. you can find ease in really great important work and you can make easeful structures around really great important work i think that's just such an amazing message it's a rewrite it's mm-hmm. a rewrite of everything we've been taught again yep. <sighs> love all these books they just bring me so much delight do you have anything else you can think of? Those are the big ones that like really like truly like shifted something in me. There's obviously so many nonfiction books that have been incredibly important to my life. Um, and, you know, even like podcasts that have been yeah. incredibly important to my life. Like um, I've been talking about this a lot, but the there's two Tim Ferriss podcasts that really impacted me. The first one was with Hugh Jackman. I don't know what it was. Mm, his really his lust and love for what he does is infectious. And whenever I listen or re-listen, I just feel like completely enlivened with this like thirst to create. Like I love how much he's in love with what he does. Yeah, that's an amazing podcast. And the second one is Tim Ferriss's podcast with Jerry Seinfeld because like me and Jerry wasn't expecting this. We're very in line. I'm very about Jerry's creative the philosophies. I think it's so lovely because these established creatives sometimes you when you meet established creatives who really believe in creativity and really believe in its power yeah and i think that's so inspiring as well yeah and they yeah they have this like very beautiful complex relationship with it but you've only ever seen their output and they don't romanticize it like no. jerry Seinfeld never romanticizes it but he just sees it as this sort of like a good thing it's almost like chopping wood you know or it's very wholesome mm. and also i think jerry is someone who shields a lot of vulnerability from like you know his comic classic comics like using humor to shield a lot of vulnerability but he's very vulnerable in that podcast in a very honest way mm. and very generous with his advice and again i literally agree with basically everything he says yeah so funny yeah, apart from he's big on oh uh, can I, can I keep yeah, going? Yeah, of course. Uh, the one thing that I actually, I do agree with a bit, he's, he thinks that frustration and irritation is a crucial part of being an artist, particularly being a comic. And he says the richer and more successful you get, it's hard because you can eliminate a lot of the irritation and annoyance out of your life. Well, I mean, it makes sense <laughs> for comics, right? Because it's all about picking out moments in your life that are sort of universal frustrations. Yeah, it does. And then he says, I think Tim asks him how he, how he counters that. And he's like, get married, 
have kids. <laughs> um, but I think it's an interesting discussion, right? Like, do we need, I mean, I think we were discussing on the Caroline Calloway podcast, we were discussing whether anger is an important part of creating and making art. And I think all of these things are a very interesting conversation to have. I mean, I think something that's interesting is that all artists draw from different wells. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was talking to you the other day about my absolute hero writer, Pierce Brown, who we're hopefully maybe going to get on the podcast is I was listening to an interview with Pierce and he was saying that how much of a, I feel like he, he's a very angsty writer and he's like, and you can see it in my writing. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you can see it. And I'm like, I, he's my hero writer, but I don't think I could write a Pierce Brown book. Cause I just, I'm never going to write from that angsty place and that's okay. Yeah. That's just not the well you draw from. No, it's not, not I right just draw now. From anyway, a, I, I just draw from a different well mm. and I'm just a different writer. Yeah. And Jerry has to be annoyed. Yeah. to create his comment and you know whatever well you find for yourself that's great yeah as long as it's serving you yes sometimes those wells can get a little toxic yeah, sometimes they can um amazing yeah great conversations yeah feeling really happy and i hope that you guys can take some of them if you haven't read them go indulge and just fall in love this is so exciting there's nothing like i'm excited for this sounds a bit arrogant i'm excited for you that we've done this podcast because there's nothing like like a good book list. I'll try and put all the links into the show notes as well. Yeah. And I think we've been forgetting to ask you all. If you could, we would be so grateful if you could leave a review. If you're on Spotify, if you could just leave us, you know, rate us on the stars. If you're on Apple, if you could actually type a review for us, even a short one. It's so, so, so helpful. So helpful. Especially if you're in somewhere that isn't America. Because America, we already have quite a few reviews. Obviously, always want more. But if you're somewhere else, then we would really value it. Because I can see in the charts, you know, we pop up in um, in Asia, in the Middle East, uh, in Africa, in places. And yeah, we still haven't had very many reviews from those places. So yeah. the best way to help people from your region find us is that if they go... Because it'll only show on Apple, it'll only show your region's reviews. Yeah, so that's if it looks the like there have been zero reviews from your reason, region, people won't listen to our podcast because yeah. they'll think this is nothing. This is they're, not, they're not seeing our American reviews and our UK reviews yeah. and stuff. So if you could, if you're in a region that you think has few reviews for us please we would love, love it if you leave the review love that. and we're grateful and if you could share as yeah. well yeah sharing i love to reshare them on like my instagram like it's just so wonderful yeah and if you could tag amy and if you could tag the unpublished podcast when you share that would be awesome thanks so for asking all this stuff Sorry. from you Thank but you. we promise we just shared some really good books so it's kind of you know it's yeah. give and take yeah it's give and take all right guys we will see you next week we see love you please keep week. creating we're proud of you goodbye <laughs>